So this latest Nintendo Direct has us wondering: Do we actually need another Switch, or are we like good with the Switch? The Switch currently, with all the games lined up for this year and next. This latest Nintendo Direct knocked our socks off. I think I always reserve the right to flip flop. Uh, not <laughs> a few weeks ago, we put out a video after they announced um, everybody one two Switch that the Switch had one foot in the grave. I'm flip-flopping officially. I'm going the completely the other way. I'm doing a 180. The Switch has a lot of life left, and I don't need a Switch 2 right now. Let me have what I have. Kind of, we're feeling good about the Switch. I mean, I think all of us are drawing the biggest, the world's biggest question mark because we didn't know anything after Pikmin. But our questions, our queries have been answered. So we're going to dig into all of that. We're going to do a deep dive into the Nintendo Direct. You and I... Unfortunately, we're separate for this Nintendo Direct, so it's going to be fun to catch up together finally. Because I had to react alone, um, and that was not very fun. But yeah, yes, the last time with you, <laughs> the last time we did a podcast, you were spiraling about the prospect of a Nintendo Direct. So I think it's good; it's only fair to check in on your emotional state before we go any <laughs> yeah, further. Exactly, I feel okay now. I was like the, literally. The worst happened. the The worst case scenario that could have happened happened to us last week, which was just so ridiculous. I feel like Nintendo's listening and they just want to make us miserable or something. Because, yeah, the worst. But the it worst was fine. People. It was fine. But it was fine. I think it was all but in was your fine. head. It turned out great. You did a great reaction. Uh, you can literally do all of this by yourself. You literally don't need me at all. So. Um, I may just be announcing my retirement soon, and you can continue to do this, Krista and Krista. <laughs> Krista and Krista podcast. Yeah, um, I might not need you, but you know who I do need is our oh. wonderful Patreon family, ah. who saw me through last week when I was doing the, really the stuff by myself. Oh my gosh! Like this community, honestly, I have no words. Like it's truly, you truly feel like you have these people that are. Behind you, supporting you, and it's so it's so interesting and wonderful because I really never thought that we'd be this close to our community, but absolutely they were the linchpin holding me together last week. So, if you would like to join our wonderful Patreon community, go to Kit and Krista. No, go to patreoncom slash Krista. Wow, I'm really losing it today. Oh boy, um, and, and uh, they're wonderful, and it's great. If you are listening to this yes. podcast. I am guessing that you might be enjoying it on a weekly basis. What if I told you that you had an opportunity to listen to it at a minimum twenty four hours earlier than anybody else? That is what you can get True. at patreon.com slash kitten Krista. Wow. True. That and many other benefits our um, Patreon family gets not only the early access, but they get to be part of our exclusive Discord server, which is where all of the things went down last week. Um, they also get bonus Q&As, which is really, really fun. And we save all the juicy questions for our bonus Q&As. That's so right. Join us there. There is a free trial and a free tier. So please check it out. So as you were saying, all the Nintendo Direct stuff is up on the channel. If you'd like to see it, yes. you have your full reaction, which was wonderful. Uh, I watched mm-hmm. that when I woke up first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> we also have our predictions if you want to go back and see what we were right and wrong about. I think we were mostly pretty good with the predictions. Pretty spot on. I mean, me personally was like almost 100%. We were very close. 
Um, so yeah, it's, you should definitely go and check that out. And this will be kind of the bookend of that with this episode that we're doing here. But we also just put out uh, a fun episode, the Zelda Rider Run in Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. We brought back a classic Nintendo Minute Challenge video. We did this in Breath of the Wild where we really try to see what is faster, Link on a horse or Link just like running around. And this time it was even more fun because we had a challenge where it's Link running around again on foot, but is he faster than you building and riding a vehicle? But the the catch is the build time, the time it takes you to like get all your materials out and build something without auto build counts in the time. So you have to like speed build and be able to, you know, ride it well, which may have caused some stress for some people. I won't say who. Should go watch because there might have been a meltdown. There was definitely a meltdown. Um, so you should watch it. Simpler is better, I think, is the takeaway from that video. And Link is don't very agile. Yeah. Link, don't underestimate Linkle. Little Linky. It's He's not Linkle. Agile. It's a Linky. Okay. He's very agile on his feet. That's right. He can do the things. Unencumber him, remove his clothes so he can move a little bit faster. Oh, wait, that's not how this game works. That's how it works. (laughs) Uh, We also have another great video on Tears of the Kingdom that is out, which where we went out and took and kind of teach you how to do this. Some really great photos with Amiibo out in the wild. This is something that I love to do. Yeah. This is something that I've done for years, which is like, just go into your backyard or like somewhere outside your house. Sometimes you can even do it inside your house, depending on what the shot you're trying to get is. And you can do really cool, like miniature photography that is like, like breathtaking with the scenery and the perspective and all that stuff. Yeah. You are a Amiibo photo expert, I would say, because you have done this for so long and there's so many like fun environments that you've taken photos with Amiibo. And this time, I was really shocked, first of all, by your complete collection of all of the Zelda Amiibo. Very, very impressive. You're definitely going to get the new Amiibo, right? Absolutely. And and, and, uh, Zelda, yeah. So to keep the complete collection going. But um, we took the Amiibo out to, like, really cool, you know, nature locations, locations that look like Hyrule, Um. I loved one of the locations because you found this like little spiky plant that looked really otherworldly. And then when I was looking at the photos again, when I was editing the video, I was like, this is basically a plant from the depths, which was so cool um, that even like the the stuff that you see down in the depths that looks so just like bizarre and otherworldly, you can find them in real life and then take these great amiibo photos, which was really awesome. Yeah, people shouldn't underestimate themselves. I mean, the cameras on phones these days are so good. You don't need like a fancy mm-hmm. camera or anything at all. Just like go out and, and you know, try and, you know, put these put them out in, in situations or places that you think would be interesting and you can probably do it. That's that's you my tip. Definitely you you do can it. probably yeah. definitely do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we um, went to some really cool locations. We took some really beautiful, we, you, took some really beautiful photos. And yeah, check out the video. It's a really fun one. Now, you are just um, fresh back from yes. the Game Awards 10-year anniversary concert? Symphony, what were they calling it? Concert, yeah. Concert. The Game Awards 10-year anniversary concert. I was just, um, I literally flew back today from L.A., 
um, after attending that last night. Um, it was in at the Hollywood Bowl, which is such like an iconic concert venue. I've actually never been to the Hollywood Bowl before. I've never seen a concert there, but I've always seen it on TV, you know, like on TV shows and stuff. Where they I have, remember like, it from scenes. like old tiny cartoons. They'd have like Bugs Bunny, like doing yes. a concert in the Hollywood Bowl. I was like, wow, that looks neat. There's like Simpsons episodes where they're like sitting outside the Hollywood Bowl listening to like Star Wars concerts and stuff. And and like I've always wanted to um to see for myself what what that was like. It's such an interesting venue, uh concert venue. Like I, I I love going to concerts. I've been to lots of different concert venues before. This is definitely one of the more unique ones. I didn't realize until like pretty close to the event that this is basically like the Hollywood Bowl's all outdoors. Um and it has a like a very strong like picnic vibe, and it, they really encourage you. Like usually when you go to concert places, they're like, "Don't bring your outside food and drinks in." No, they they like encourage you to bring in your your picnic coolers and your your picnic baskets and stuff like that. Bring snacks. Like every seat has little picnic tables. So fun, um, beautiful. We were very lucky with the weather because it had been pretty cold here in. California for the last couple of weeks, but it totally warmed up over the weekend in LA. And it definitely has like that, you know, that kind of like bowl stage. Um, so seeing all the the video game music played in that venue was really, really cool. And it ended with this really spectacular fireworks show, which you, I guess they do at that venue a lot. But um, it was a great time and it was really fun to um, to listen to some of these iconic scores. What, what were some of the great songs that they had? So, you know what was really interesting about this that I thought was, that I didn't expect? Um, there, were, there were definitely some really great songs that, obviously, from games that I played and loved, like God of War, for example. Um, they had this, like, really cool singer come out to do the God of War score, and the voice... I, I cannot even describe it's like a, it's not like any kind of singing I've ever heard before, but it was so amazing. Um, and just like hearing that live was was really cool. But they also had music from games that hasn't even come out yet, like Starfield. They had a big section of Starfield music. And it's really interesting because it's like, well, usually I love music from games because it reminds me of the how, you know, my memories of playing that game, right? So you kind of have like a deeper connection to it. This time it was a little bit different. It's like, oh, it's more so like you're getting, you're getting kind of like hype for this game because the music is so great. And of course they, they always match it to beautiful graphics. And um, a lot of people, as Jeff was introducing each piece on stage, sound, sounds like a lot of the music teams behind each of the games put together sort of original medleys for this concert. So you are hearing the scores like, really done in a way that's perfect for that environment and stage and, and those musicians. So very cool. And there was a big surprise at the end. So Tenacious D, which is Jack Black's band, was there to perform like a song that they had, they were just touring with. It, the song's called Video Game, so it was very appropriate. Um, and then at the very, very end, he did Peaches <laughs> live, which was ridiculous and amazing Full, like, 
Bowser costume, like suit, like the thing, whatever he wore in that music video for Peaches, he was wearing that. The, the piano was pink. The guy playing the piano was dressed as Toad. He was like rolling around on the ground. He was like on, on the piano. Like that man is just living his best life, honestly. And I like, I really have to give him like a round of applause for just like embracing all of this and loving it and enjoying every moment. Cause you can totally tell that he's just like, he's just like here for it. You know, and it was awesome. Now, it was so is, fun. Is there a version of peaches that is more than like a minute and a half? Because in the movie, it's kind of an incomplete song. It gets kind of cut off. I know. I think the music video version is a little tiny bit longer, but it's not that much. It's like two minutes max, probably. Okay. So Um, he didn't do like the Stairway to Heaven, like 11 minute jam band (laughs) version of Peaches. I wish he did that that version of Peaches. That would have been great. But um, no, it was like, it was like a kind of like a little encore at the very end. It was um, a surprise because Jeff was like, don't forget to not, like, don't leave after the fireworks. We have a surprise for you guys. Oh, it was after the fireworks. Yeah. Oh. That was like did did anybody away. leave though? Did you see anybody leave who missed out? No one left. No one no left. One Everyone left. listened. Like, they no knew. one's going to leave. He's like, I highly encourage you to not leave. I like, see. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be really good, guys. Yeah. Like Now, I, before I, I sent you a text message at probably a random time, I said, be sure to, you know, get some cool footage of that. And you said, oh, no, no, we're not allowed. But as I was looking online, I saw a lot of people posting videos of this. I'm looking at you, Mr. Tim Gettys of Kind of Funny. You posted the video when you weren't supposed to. Uh-oh. I know. I So I didn't know because they were very strict in their email, like their press email that was like, if you accept this press ticket, that means you agree to our photo and video guidelines. And I had written back and I was like, what? Tell me exactly what the guidelines are because I need to know. And they were very like cagey about it. And they were like, well, you can take photos of like the outside, but you can't take photos of the stage or the performances. And, but I don't know. They did. Did you do it secret? Did you do it secretly though? 100% yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think. Well, Tim, Tim Geddes is going to video game jail and you may be soon too. Well, I'm, I'm already that. there, but as you can tell by the looks of me, <laughs> yeah, you're already in jail. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> but you are like, you are working on uh, a video of your trip. Yes, I will. We have a vlog coming up that will include this um, trip to see the 10 year anniversary concert. I will be a little sneaky. They did send me some still photos. I did ask them to send me some video. The the actual official video send it to me and i will use it but if not then i'm going to be a little sneaky okay with our video content here but we'll see we had talked about that can do it i can do it okay we had talked about that being kind of a crossover video of you doing that and me doing my stuff here in taiwan i don't think that's the right way to do it right now I think you're, it's you're better. Hash that with me right now during this podcast. We're gonna we're gonna have our little our little content <laughs> meeting right now. I think you should. I think you should just make it about your trip because it sounds so cool. Really? All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> so I so <laughs> I am still I am still in Taiwan. I have yet to do my big gaming excursion, but there is something that I have been seeing around here that is very interesting that I want to actually sit down and have a chance to check out in greater detail. It's this big, it's this big, I, I, it, it doesn't look like a traditional arcade cabinet, but it, it's basically an arcade game. It's called okay. Pokemon Ga Ole. And 
it looks like it's somewhat based on Pokemon Go, but it, it is a different mm. game. So basically you can get these like... I think they call them chips and it's basically like a big plastic thing that has some like probably like an NFC chip on it or something of, okay. of certain Pokemon. And then you can scan that into the game and do these battles and you can get different Pokemon, but there's, it seems to have sort of a gotcha component to it where like I saw people playing this game who had just like a giant like pillowcase full of these things. Um, full of the chips? Full of the chips. Right. Okay. Like, so once, I, once you buy the chips, you own the chips. You don't have to give yes. the chips back. No, you don't have to give it back. There's a lot of games in, in Japan and Asia that, that you get some sort of ownable, like a card or something, and you put it out on the table and it scans it in. It's, it's cool. Um, but oh, I, I, I have yet to see one of these machines not being just like jam-packed with people. Oh. And I looked it up because I was like, I never heard of this thing. I don't know what this is. It seems to be only in non-Japan Asian countries. So like Taiwan, oh, Hong Kong, Singapore, like Korea. I don't think they had a version for, for mainland China. Um, and it looks like it's it's made by Marvelous is is the developer of it. Oh. So I, I definitely want to go back um, and put some money into that and get some of those chips and, and figure that out. So that, that's a little tease of, of what oh I'm going to be doing. Oh my gosh, that's future. so cool. I want to yeah. see. That seems so interesting because I've never heard of that before, but it sounds really fun. And it just seems like a, a really cool new way to like interact with Pokemon stuff. I yeah, like I have it. no idea if the game is good or not. Uh, it may just be a collectathon, but like these people playing it are like way into it. Into I it. Also, super oh. into it. I also found, and I'm even more confused about what this is, like kind of next to that one at this like shopping center, there was a, a Dragon Quest arcade game where that had like kind of like a magic wand sort of controller that you could pull out. Nobody, nobody was playing that. So I don't know if that's an old game or just not very popular. And the name was not in English. So I I couldn't even look it up. Um, Maybe we can include a a picture. I took a picture of it. Include a picture here. And and Google translate. People can chime in if they know what the Google translate is really a lifesaver these days. I gotta say. I know. I'm like, you can do the thing where you take a photo of it and it just translates it live for you. Yeah. I went to a restaurant where it was just like, yeah, we don't have an English menu and it's like all this like stuff. And like, you just put that into Google translate. Like I'm good. I got exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Way to go. Google. I, I can't read Chinese either, so I would need that. <laughs> but then it, it is, it's like 99% of the way there. The 1% is weird, though. I got one where it spit out, like, it was something with eggs, but they called it anthrax eggs. I was like, I don't, I'm pretty sure this isn't actually anthrax, but the name, the name, the translation is not making it sound super appetizing for me. <laughs> mm, anthrax tastes so good. So Tasty. I love that. Yum. <laughs> um, lastly, we have a hot update, hot off the presses hot. that we, we want to get in uh, this podcast Exclamation here. mark. It's, it's kind of a good news, bad news update though. So oh. do you want go the good the bad news? first though. Let's go with no, the bad news first. bad news first. No one wants the good news Some people first, might. Okay? Some people want that. No, they, um, nobody does. So... As has been documented, we put our names into the lottery to go to Nintendo Live. Uh, we created a Nintendo uh, family account, you and I. We started a family. Yes. We started a We family. did not get chosen, unfortunately. I should have joined a different family for this. is my takeaway for this. Some, somebody, somebody at Nintendo was like, where's the kitten, where's the crystal one? Rip it in half. Um, yeah. No. Nope. 
So we didn't get into that. We're feeling okay about it, though. I mean, we saw the real deal yet in Japan, which I mm-hmm. think is ultimately going to be cooler than what they do here. Oh, uh, we also have nice. some enterprising Patreon subscribers who oh, might might be thing. doing some some stuff for us. Exactly. We again, we have an army of community members that are here for us, as we learned. And many of them did get into this event. So guess what, Nintendo? You can't stop us! We are thousands strong. Um, I will deploy my little Patreon army into Nintendo Live to do all my little biddings. Get ready, friends. Christopians, unite! You make them sound like Pikmin. (laughs) You're going to shoot them in like Pikmin. Uh, Hopefully they meet a a better fate than the Pikmin. Well, you're going to be really deep in video game jail at this point. Between the Tim care. Gettys incident and uh, the Nintendo Tim Live Gettys incident. Tim Gettys incident? I was the not Tim part Gettys of that. <laughs> <laughs> you were an accomplice to Tim Gettys. <laughs> I wasn't. And his crimes. Tim Gettys. <laughs> uh, so that's the bad news. nature. <laughs> the good news is very good. Uh, we have also uh, put in our names for a panel at PAX, which just got accepted, which is great news. Uh, we did one of those at last last PAX. We did a live episode mm-hmm. of the podcast. We're going to do that again. So here you can hear for the first time the, the details. So it's going to be on September 2nd, which is Saturday, 6.30. And uh, the email that we got said that the, the panel will be streamed. So that's always great Ooh. news because, you know, not, not many people can actually go to PAX, but you can actually check out the panel. And uh, like last year, we'll we'll, we'll record it and we'll put it out ourselves as well. So a lot of ways to check that out. Yeah. And we'll we'll get training. So that's going to be fun. So now you can trade your anxiety over Nintendo Direct with new anxiety over how big the room will be at PAX and whether whether a single soul will actually come. I, I already started thinking about this. But I was glad. I was like, "What's what is we we already already heard about which theater we're going to be in?" But I don't know what the size of that theater is yet. So well, like, I, I don't want to get you too worked up, but the email did say no. That, well, it didn't. It didn't get, say the size, but it said these are the three theaters where we're doing live streaming, and ours is one of the three. So I'm assuming it's one of the bigger, big ish ones. Why does this stress you out? Let's air this out now. Oh, God. (laughs) Explain yourself. Uh, (laughs) ah! Oh, no. I have a couple months to. I have a few months to work this out. Okay. (laughs) I have a few few months to work my way through. I'm going to keep bugging you about this. But those are the details. That's great. So our PAX, our tri- our PAX trip is confirmed. We're going. Yes. Uh, we'll be around. Hope to see a lot of you there. And uh, yeah, yeah and we'll, more updates to come on say, the panel. Yeah. If, if all of you guys are going to Nintendo Live, you can come see us at PAX too, which would yeah. be really fun. All right. That's enough of this upfront business. Um, let's get right into the games that we're playing. And like we said last week, this is our final update on tears of the kingdom uh for the foreseeable future are you going to review this game in this episode yeah well, i think i i think you really wanted to do that I'm, i i don't know if i'm ready to to review it but you can do it i'm actually a little bit surprised that you didn't go back to tears of the kingdom because you said that on this trip huh? after you beat 
after you beat um, the game, you were going to dig into all the exploration stuff. But yeah, I, I think have. you were playing. I have. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you, you were don't know what I'm doing. Like... Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> you don't well, know me. I do know you. <laughs> Actually. You don't know a single thing about me. I know everything about you. We're in a Nintendo account Even family. You don't, I don't know anything about know. me. I don't want to know, but I know somehow. <laughs> I don't want to know. Anyways, I will give this game a, rev- a review because okay. I have done everything that I think I could. You've do done a lot. Now. You've done a, you've done more than me. I have done quite a lot. Um, I'm going to give this game a nine out of ten. A nine like, out of ten. Yeah. Okay. I think this is one of why the- so low. Oh, <laughs> what is the crystal scale? Are you a hard grader? Um, I mean, I again, in, in, in you in you equating everything to an elementary school uh, report card. This is an A. That's an A minus. A minus. Okay, it's an A minus. I think that's that's fair. Um, okay. This is definitely one of the best games I've played in a while. <laughs> definitely this year, one of the best games I've played this year. Um. And I think that, and I'm still trying to grapple with this a little bit, like whether or not I like this more than Breath of the Wild. I don't think I'm, I still don't think I'm quite ready. That's exactly why I'm not reviewing the game because I need, I need some time and some distance from it, honestly, to decide that. Cause I don't know. I still need a little distance, but I, I am, I will say that I'm leaning towards, yes, this game is better than Breath of the Wild. Okay. For me. Yeah. Which is why I'm comfortable. I, mean, dude, I, I just play this game so much. I play this game so much more than Breath of the Wild, which I was really surprised by because I thought that I had done my fair, you know, playthrough of Breath of the Wild, but you did. I didn't. I did not do nearly as much as I did in Tears of the Kingdom and in a more compressed time. Um, Tears of the Kingdom absolutely like grabbed my attention and. I will say that the learning curve was much harder with Tears of the Kingdom. Like it was just hard to learn those um, abilities, like the all the, you know, ultra hand fuse, like all that stuff was was really tough to learn. But once you learned it, you you felt so great. Like when I, towards the end of the game, the seamlessness as I was like doing puzzles, solving shrines, even like doing big boss fights. Of, of employing all of the, the things that I can do to my advantage, like how I was able to cycle through all of those things so seamlessly. Like it was amazing. Like it felt so satisfying. Um, and I do think that Tears of the Kingdom has a very strong story. Like the story was so, so good. And so um, just like really beautiful. And I think you and I, we're not going to spoil it for anybody here, but I think you and I both, um, as we were going through sort of the final battle and the final bits of that main quest, it's like you never smash that screenshot button more than you, you ever exactly. in your entire life as you play through that sequence. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was just really, you know, a, a really like well done story arc um, and just really beautiful. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think this game is, is, is going to be up there in the all-time favorites. So, What if I told you that your 9 out of 10 review just dropped the Metacritic score off of your predicted 95 to a 94? 
So you are now well, wrong 90, because of by your own doing. It's 96 right now. So Whatever. it would drop back down to 95, which is dropped down to 94. Much. It was so severe a review by oh, you. Oh, no. <clears throat> well, congratulations. You're the last person on the internet to review Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, that's great. <laughs> so you are you are done with this game. Because I've, I've done it. I've been done. Koroks? Yeah. Koroks? Yes? No, thanks. No. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, any Any final words then beyond that? I mean, I just think that this game is, like, spectacular. I think that people, sh- even the non-completionists, I would highly encourage you to try to complete some of those things. Like, get all those light Are you talking to me right now? Yes. <laughs> Do all the shrines. There, it's it's. I feel like it's more satisfying in this one than in Breath of the Wild to do some of those completionist things. I never got all the shrines in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Somehow this game really like held my attention with that kind of kind of you know collection and, and completionist thing. That's actually not really in my gaming nature. Um, definitely the light roots was something that surprised me, and just the the exploration of the depths was really interesting at first i i just i remember when i first went down there i was like this is the scariest weirdest thing ever i'm never going back here again and who knew like you know a hundred hours later i would have completed you know that entire map and have discovered so many random things down there like it's it's really cool the way that they've layered you know have these three layers for this game and and how it's interconnected and stuff and yeah, I, I think that's that part of the game is really well done. And even if you're not a completionist, I would encourage you to thoroughly explore all of the different areas. Yeah. Yeah, I've been I've still been playing it and and doing my little poking around exploration. I don't I don't really have anything noteworthy to to share though. Um let's say so let's say DLC for this game gets announced and let's say it's it's out like in the fall. Are you itching to go back to that or are you like, eh, I need a break? Um, if there's DLC and it's like significant, I, I would go, I would go back for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like jaded from it. Like I actually, right. I just feel, I feel highly satisfied. Like I feel that's, like. That's the thing about this game that is so surprising because I don't, I, I don't think you experience this to the same extent I do, but when I finish a, a really big, big, big game like that, like I really am ready to put it down. And if it's d- depending on the series, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to think about this series for like a year or two. But with this, it's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm always ready for more. Exactly. Yeah, I think I don't feel like jaded, like even towards the end when I was really trying to get the last like two shrines and they were like actually kind of hard ones to get. They were like connected to like quests and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this is a lot longer than I thought it would be to get this like last shrine or whatever. But even at, at that point, I wasn't like. You know, like, oh, I can't believe I, I'm still playing this game kind of thing. You know, I wasn't feeling like jaded by it or annoyed by it. So I think if DLC came out and it was like new content, I absolutely would go back and and um, play it like right away. Like I wouldn't fe- I don't feel like I'm sick of it or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to your new uh, obsession, which is Final Fantasy 16, which we oh, talked yeah. about in depth last week. Uh, but you've been playing that. I have obviously have no no way of playing that now. So I'm actually really eager to hear what you've been doing and what you think. Because so let me just share like so my perspective before you go is I feel like the opinion 
on this game is flipping flip flopping a lot. So like when the reviews when the reviews came out and the game first came out, it was like, oh, my gosh, this game is incredible. You know, this is a new direction for Final Fantasy that really works. They've really accomplished something amazing here. I saw a lot of people saying, you know, maybe this is my new favorite Final Fantasy. This is a contender for game of the year. It went on and on. Now you're hearing a lot more of the other take of that, which is, gosh, this doesn't even feel like an RPG. Should it really be called Final Fantasy? Mm -hmm. Or, well, I've played more. The story kind of falls apart at a certain thing. So it doesn't, it doesn't live up to these, you know, all this world building and all this stuff that they've been doing. So Again, as, as somebody who has not played past the demo, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm still very excited to what play it. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to find out on my own. And this happens all the time with games, but it's like, what? What is? What is the actual reality of what most people are feeling right now? I know. I I felt the same thing too, and I, I'm not that far yet. I mean, I'm probably like, I would say five hours, maybe six hours at most into into the game, like some significant stuff has absolutely happened. Um, I'm getting a very firm understanding of what is happening in the story. There's been a lot of like sort of main gameplay mechanics and elements that have been unlocked. And now I'm, I'm very much like getting used to or, or getting very familiar with, with those mechanics. So Stuff has happened, you know, but I, I've been hearing the same thing you have. And I've been getting a little bit worried, honestly, like so far, I'm really enjoying this game. Like I, I really love it. And I'm nervous for like, when is that? At what point, how many hours in am I going to feel not excited about this game? So I'm, I'm a little worried. I hope that doesn't happen. I did hear um, what you heard. And I, I was reading some of this too, about how the story like totally falls apart. Um which would be super disappointing because right now the story is quite good. Uh, it really is starting to pay off like some of the, you know, the characters that you saw in the demo um, in the early part of the game. It's really starting to like pay off some of those storylines right now. Um, you're really like learning more about all the stuff with, you know, what is the dominant? What are these icons? Like what are the different factions, you know, the very like Game of Thrones, like, you know, po- politics around the different, the, the different um, ruling nations. Like you're really starting to get a grasp of that. Um, and there was a, I stopped right before I went to LA, I stopped at like a major story reveal um, that I was like, Oh, I had a gasp moment. Like, Oh my gosh, that's what's happening. Okay. Oh my gosh. Like I can't wait to play more and find out like what's going to happen next. So I'm still like really in it with, um, with the story and and it's still, you know, getting me, you know, deeper pulled into these uh, characters that I'm, I'm just getting to know and, and getting to feel connected to. So I don't, I hope they don't fall apart like in the next little bit. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. The gameplay, I will say, I, I don't hate it, but it doesn't feel like a Final Fantasy RPG. It doesn't, honestly, like, it, it's very much, I think, uh, prioritizing sort of this, like, these beautiful combo. Like, it, it's Bayonetta. The gameplay is very, like, action um, 
focus where it's like combos and you're using the different icon powers to do these crazy things. You know, it rewards you from for precision dodging and from uh, cinematic strikes and, and like sort of hitting the buttons at the right time. You do have, um, you know, some of your helpers with you uh, and, and some of your friends with you. So it does feel like a little bit of like that party battle atmosphere, but you're not really controlling them. They're kind of like doing their own thing. You're not doing anything to control those characters. So what about um, like with, with Torgal, who's, it seems like a, like a permanent companion, right? Can yeah. you give Torgal any um, orders? You can, you can give Torgal orders. You can also just set Torgal to auto attack for you as well. Um, but you can, and he heals you, and he does a, has a, a pretty cool attack as well. Um, but even that feels very like action versus it being, you know, RPG. I think. Um, so I'm not saying that it's a bad direction to take the game, but it just feels really different. Like I, I don't, it doesn't feel like the battle system in a Final Fantasy game, which is not, you know, it's not bad or good. It's just, it's not like what you're used to, but it's not like a bad battle battle system either. Like it still feels fun to play it. Although sometimes when you do like those huge sort of cinematic battles, I'm like, am I even doing anything right now? Like it just looks really cool. And it's like this big boss fight. And it's like, you just like did 160,000 damage and then it's like dead. It's like, okay. <laughs> so at, at times I'm like, this is just for looks. Like it's just to look pretty, you know, and like cool versus it being me doing something. So, I mean, I still, I still really love the game. I think it's, it looks absolutely stunning. The music is fantastic. Um, Torgal is best boy. Um, and there's a like a lot of really cool, you know, story elements, customization stuff, like the um, the way that you use those icon powers are really interesting. And there's like even like a deeper layer of that later as you get deeper into the game, which I thought I didn't expect. And I was like, oh, this is so cool um, that you, you even can go even deeper with those powers and, and sort of use it in your in the way that you battle. But yeah, I, I don't want this game to fall apart. I, I really hope that it stays that I, ho- I hope that I'll keep enjoying it, um, but I'm a little nervous because I have read those things as well. Like, oh my gosh, is, when is it going to not be fun anymore? I had um, a thought creep into my head. And I, I don't think it, I, it was not the result of any of this discussion online uh, because that stuff, like people are going to do that no matter what with any game. But I was like, hmm, you know, I still do need to play uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Maybe I prioritize that when I get back. Oh, because when no. else am I going to do that? <laughs> that game is supposed to be really good, though. So it is, and yeah. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I'm like, maybe I should mm-hmm. do that. And I think I was holding out for that to come to Game Pass, but it's like, who cares? Like, I just just get it and play it. Because at it. this point, yeah. at this point, it's like now that I have a real sense of what the year is. It's like I just if I have a, an opportunity, you got to play this game. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, I, I will keep playing and if it falls apart, I will tell you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then you can and then you can play Star Wars yes, instead. Um anything else on Final Fantasy? I'm that's it, but I'm excited to get back to it because I again left on this big cliffhanger. Um, right. So now I'm gonna keep going and see what happens. Okay. 
Um, there's a couple other games we wanted to talk about. Um, one is a game that we played actually at the Summer Game Fest uh, Play Days event that had sort of a different embargo than everything else. So we get to talk about it now, which Yay. is uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, which I think, stuff. I think it was actually one of the favorite games that we saw there. Um, Absolutely. Maybe, maybe a bit unexpected. So... I played the first one of these. Did you played it as well? Is I right? did, I played it as well, but I don't think I played as much as you because it was really hard for me. I had to like stop right. because I was I could not go on. Yeah, so this is one of those games where I was like, I don't I don't care about Hot Wheels like one lick at all. But then I just started <laughs> like seeing people post like stuff about this game. I was like, well, this looks kind of cool, and it's basically you know like an arcade racer where you know you pick your Hot Wheels car and there's like hundreds of them and it's like on these shrunk down race Little circuits mini race that are in, it's yeah. like it's like in somebody's kitchen or in somebody's living room or something yeah and i love that it, like the perspective of it being like tiny yeah. in like a real house or something yes yeah, and awesome. it was just like really solidly done and there were a lot of different cars to get and i was like oh this is like a fun game so i got it on the switch and and i really liked it for the most part but yeah like you and I think most people who played it had the same conclusion was the difficulty in this game is kind of busted where the normal difficulty was really, really hard. So but the, hard. But the easy difficulty was like baby difficulty. So it's like it's impossible to not get first place. It's like they need to get this right. And I think yeah. they even did a patch that I tried out later on where they tried to balance it. It still was not entirely perfect so like when we sat down to play this game it was one of the lead devs on it like we we grilled him about that <laughs> yeah yeah they, they 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 were very like transparent that that was yeah. something that they heard from a lot of players and they really try to balance that in this game and i think we did feel like this game was much more balanced yeah um, yeah yeah there's a lot of new abilities to to kind of help you along which i think also kind of helped that balance a little bit yeah they added a lot of stuff in the sequel Mm -hmm. so there's some new like race mechanics that you can do so you can jump which is new the jumping helps and they were showing how that it's like more than a mario kart jump it's a pretty like decent jump yeah how you can you can do different shortcuts with that Mm -hmm. Um, or you can just use it for maneuverability if, like, you want to get over an obstacle or something. So that's cool. It also has these kind of burnout-esque – they called it strafing, which I, I don't think is the best description for it. Because I think of strafing yeah. as, like, a slow it, – it's basically, like, you you knock into somebody. Yeah, you're going side to side, though, which is, I think, right. what they mean by strafing. But it's, like, a boost. A bump, a bump right into or, somebody. Right, a powerful yeah, and they're knock like either, into somebody. Either you can use it to – like they want to encourage people to knock their opponents off the track, which is uh, which is really funny. Or you can use it to like help you change directions. Like sometimes you go down the track yeah. and there's like an os- obstacle coming down the right hand side. You could boost yourself to the left using that mechanic and then like get through it. So it's kind of like multifunctional, which I kind of, I, I really like that. Um, but yeah, it, it was it definitely helps with the maneuverability as well. I think yeah. Another big new addition is now there are motorcycles um, in addition mm. to all the cars. And there's like different kinds of cars too. There's like, you know, like a monster truck kind of thing or like more like, you know, race car types. And now there's motorcycles. And, and th- those are kind of like in Mario Kart, like where they're, they're fast, but the cornering is a bit different. And obviously they're very lightweight, so you can get knocked around a lot. So they, they do have a, a pretty wide range of different vehicles that you can get. 
And they were also showing how you can upgrade on, on a number of different parameters, different cars. So that's that seems like pretty cool. Like if you find one that you really like, you can make it better. Yeah, the, the upgrading system was really robust. And like you can even like if you collect a whole bunch of cars, you can like dismantle them and use their parts to upgrade, which is really interesting. Um so it was like deep, like the upper scene was pretty deep. Um, and then the other thing was they had some of like more like open modes, which I really like. They have one that's just like go through these waypoints as fast as possible so you can get used to the driving. Um, so that was pretty, pretty good too. Like they added some other, you know, game modes that can help you learn um, how to, how to, you know, drive the cars a bit better. So they also have this whole other mode that's returning that I, I didn't, I didn't get into at all in the first game, but you can actually build your own tracks um, with the little like hot wheel track pieces. And, um, you know, they were talking about how like, yeah, there's ways to share those um, with other people online, which is great. Cause I wasn't sure if you could actually do that. So that's like a whole other piece of the game where if like, if you want to become this master track maker, that, that, that's something I'll never really get into, but it, it's cool that that's there. And, Again, the shrunken down perspective is so cool. Like now, now one of the courses is like a mini golf course, so it's cool to drive around that. Yeah, uh, the game just has a lot of charm, and Very there's charming. so many cars to get. Um, and there, and it's fun to you know find one that you like. So, um, I'm I'm pretty high on this game. I'll, I'll probably pick this up. I think the version we were playing was on a PC. I don't yeah. know yet what version I would get. I'd, I'd want to see the performance of the Switch version, but the performance on the last one on Switch was pretty good. So I, That's I pretty good, that yeah. You, drew, you did drive a taco car, which I really liked. What was the name of that? It was like something... It was like something Fiesta. Something Car- Carnage Asada or something like that. Car- <laughs> Maybe. It was something <laughs> it really like that. Funny it name. was really cute, and it was yeah. a taco. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Um, so the last game we want to talk about is what I've been playing here, and I actually finished this last night, which oh. is uh, Dordone. Dordone or Dordone? Dordone? Is that how you pronounce it? Okay, I don't know. So, so first of all, what is what is Dordone? Why is that the name? So I looked it up, and, and they sort of talk about this in the game. It's, it's a region. It's actually a name of a river in France, oh. and it's in the uh, southwest area of France, which I think is in the okay. – I think it's the Bordeaux area. I like the wine in the Bordeaux area. Um, so this was this was a game that really stood out to us when they showed it. I think it was in an indie showcase because yeah. the visual the visuals in this game it's like are watercolor, like, I, beautiful. I yeah. truly do not believe that there will be a better looking game this year. Like I have this like as a semi lock already when we do game of the year of like best looking game. Like is this because it's all this like watercolor style and. There's so much of it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how they did this because it seems like everything was done by hand and then put into the game. Like, I, I don't know if they have any information out there of like how they did this, yeah. but it, it, it just looks like, you know, a living watercolor piece of artwork, but it's all so well done and has so much atmosphere and personality. And that even goes down to like the characters. Like there are some scenes where it's like very close up on the characters and like the faces and the movements are like really well done. So that, it's just stunning to look at. Have you been playing this what game at all? That? I know you said you got it. I got it, but I haven't started it yet because I've okay. been playing some other stuff. But it is definitely one that I will be, I will be playing because I was really interested in this game as well. But yeah, you it, should squeeze this in. 
Yeah, this is like a cozy game, though, right? There's like an absolutely story. So okay. the, the it's the story is about how so you pl- it's it's mostly about this relationship between this girl and her grandmother, and it's told oh, in no. flashbacks. So there's like um, current day where actually her grandmother has just passed away, and okay, she's I don't re- know and, if I can play this game, and she's returning to her house. And as you go through her things, you get flashbacks to this, like this summer where you lived with her. Um, oh okay. no, you, no. <laughs> you spent this great summer with her and all these things happen. Um, but the story is really great. Um, there's a lot of, it, it, it doesn't, it, it's not exactly what you would expect. And I, I would say in a good way, there's some, some really interesting things that happen, but that's a very interesting storytelling approach. Uh, where you're seeing things that sort of jog memories that you had, and then you go back, and that's where you're doing most of the playing is as your your young self. Um, the game also does this thing that I I always like, and it seems very hard to do from a game development perspective, where it's like you're going to do this thing once in the game, and we created all these custom mechanics for it, and you never do it again. So there's one mm-hmm. scene where you're like making a cup of tea and it's very like, it's, it's almost like cooking mama esque where it's like, all right, now I'm cutting a lemon and I'm putting that in and now I'm putting the water in the kettle and I'm turning and it's all like, you know, do the motions. Um, it's not a motion <laughs> game, but you're like turning sticks and, and doing everything like you're making yeah. a, a cup of tea. It's, it's really fun. And it's like, you never do that again in the game. So there's a lot of examples yeah. of that where you're like doing sort of these very like funly laid out everyday things. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's very much like a great, I think it's a great summer game because it's about the summer that the two spent together. Um, very heartwarming story. Um, and again, the visuals are, are super, super good. So I, I really liked it. Is it sad? Is it going to make me cry? I'm always, I'm always I want to feel like crying a little bit now. I wouldn't call it like a tear jerky but you yeah. have a heart of stone. <laughs> so, well, maybe don't take my word for it. Maybe other people can can chime in on that. I really love my grandmother, and I used well, to spend with her. Yeah, but I haven't seen her for a while, and I'm getting a little bit nervous. So, is it going to make me cry in this emotional state that I'm in? Uh, I, I I don't know. I can't I can't speak for you. I liked it. Though. Now you're trying to backpedal on this. The game's about, the game's also about four to five hours. So it's not like super long. It doesn't like overstay as welcome at all. I was like, oh yeah, this okay. is, this is like a perfect, you know, I, I played it over a couple of days kind of game. Yeah. Yeah. So now I don't know what I'm going to play. I think I might go back to um, deliver us the moon because I, I hadn't oh. picked that up after, since my, my plane ride. I think that could be a good next game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a lot of like sales going on right now. So I'll probably poke around and see if there's something else I want to yes. pick up and start. Yeah. I was going to play Dordone or whatever it's called, but I can't, I don't know how to pronounce wow. that. But, um, but I, I started playing uh, Fire Emblem Radiant Blade. Oh, yeah. The GBA version of it um, on the plane down to LA and on the way back. That game is so good. You should play it. It totally Maybe I'll do holds that. up. I can't believe like how just modern. I mean, I guess it's very much a Fire Emblem game. The one thing I really appreciate about this game, and I was really interested in this game particularly because I really like um, Lynn when I played the last Fire Emblem game. I like learned so much about Lynn and she was one of the characters that I used the most. And I was like, oh, cool. I can finally like kind of see her origin story in, in this game. And... Um, the thing I really like about this is 
the simplicity of it. Like, I feel like as much as I love, you know, sort of modern Fire Emblem games, I'm a huge, obviously you guys know, I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan. I love the relationships and the the crazy stories and stuff like that. But sometimes it gets a little bit like too crazy, especially in this last Fire Emblem game. I feel like some of the stories I'm like, I didn't need to see this. Like, who cares? Um, so it was really nice that this one just has like a very simple story and it's very focused on very like simple aspects of like, you know, you you are an unwanted heir to a throne. There's like a power struggle kind of thing. Um, there's nothing, you know, mystical or, or fantastical happening. It's just very much like a simple fantasy storyline or medieval storyline. And then, yeah, it's really focused on the gameplay, which totally holds up. I couldn't believe it. It's really good. Yeah, I should check that out. Oh, one last one last thing on Dordogne uh, before we wrap up on what we're playing. So the game has a lot of spoken dialogue, and by default, it's in English. The game has French audio, which is what I did, and I, I think people should do that because it really oh does gosh, enhance yes. enhance the atmosphere because it's a game that's set in France. So to hear the characters yeah. speaking in French, um, the, the game doesn't like – give you a nudge to do this. I, I just like poking around in the options. I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this oh. is a thing I should do. And it, it really added to the atmosphere. French. Yeah. Can actually help me pick up, like relearn some of my high school French. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think I can learn some good vocabulary. Good on this game that you won't play now. Um, on the game that I well, might those, cry through. Yes. Well, those are the games that we are playing. Let's move on to the news. So this is where we're talking about this Nintendo Direct. And again, to reiterate, you know, we were in kind of a shaky place with Nintendo Switch before this Direct. Pikmin 4 was the only real game, not DLC, that we had on the books. Nintendo had just announced everybody won to Switch, which by all accounts is a disaster of a game. And then out of the blue (laughs) comes this Nintendo Direct, and even even that announcement, I think you and I were a bit surprised at to some degree, right? Yeah, I think it was really hard to read what Nintendo's next moves were going to be because we are still, even after this Nintendo Direct, we are still in this sort of late stage life cycle for Switch. There is a lot of, you know, things that can happen in this transitional period. And so it's been a little bit hard to kind of see what Nintendo is going to do next. So it was, you know, this direct when that was announced or when that was being rumored, I think a lot of us were skeptical, skeptical about what's going to be in it, whether it was going to be a full Nintendo direct, whether it was going to be more of a partner showcase or a, you know, something else. Um, So even that was, I think there was just a lot of questions around it because we just didn't have any information for so long about what is happening in the back half of this year for Nintendo. That, that was why my non-prediction was like, I, I could believe anything could happen because at Nintendo, we had been in that position before where we had basically a blank slate of, you know, the next six to nine months and we always would fill it in. But the fact that we are this late in the Switch lifecycle gave me pause. I was like, well, 
it could just be that they're starting, you know, as, as these things happen, as you get late into a console cycle, you just have less because you're starting to work on the other thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I did think that was a distinct possibility of like, yeah, the things are going to start to slow down and there will still be stuff, but it'll feel a bit more fillery. Um, obviously the complete opposite happened. And this was one of the more jam packed directs mm-hmm. that we've had in a long time. Yeah, I agree. I think this was one of the, probably one of the best directs that I can remember for a while. Um, jam packed with like a lot of really sort of heavy hitting stuff. Um, the other thing that I have been thinking about for a long time, we've been talking about this for a long time as well is, you know, how it's possible that we're in this, you know, really wonderful new place with Mario, you know, having that great successful movie, billions of dollars, people have seen it, um, having this theme park that launched this year, like how it could be possible that there is no, you know, Mario something on the calendar. Like, I just, I just couldn't believe that. So as soon as, as soon as I saw Koizumi-san in that first moment of that direct, you just knew, like, you see that man, you know, that it's going to be big Mario stuff incoming. Um, So then at, Immediately, I was like, okay, this is going to be like pretty much an all Mario direct. Um, And this is where they're putting all that Mario news that we've been waiting for a long time to hear about. So, yeah, it was it was like really nice and sort of a sigh of relief to finally see that because it's like, yeah, you have to capitalize on the fervor that is Mario um, this year. Uh, if you if you didn't, that would be a dumb move. Um, So glad to see that <laughs> we have some Mario coming our way. Yeah, you would think that, but you never know with Nintendo. Like, they could be like, well, the movie's a different thing from the games, or we're going to keep those separate. It's it, it's good that they finally do have something, and, and you know, props to you, because that was um, something that you had been talking about for quite some time now. It was it, it was fortuitous. I think it was either last episode or the episode before that, we got a Q&A where we talked about Nintendo's shift from developing for two systems down to one, and yeah. how they really unlocked the full potential of their dev team powers by doing Resources. that. And that was, yeah. that's what I, that's what I went back to with, with this direct where it's like, no, they, they have this so figured out that they can yeah. juggle the end of the switch life and the start of whatever the next system is. Mm-hmm. And have no. I, I, I'm sure that you know the the Switch Two or whatever it ends up being will have an absolutely stacked launch year. But it is really 100%. unusual to see the tail end of the old system having this much stuff. And I mean, they were even talking about with the Peach Game and um, Luigi's Mansion into next mm-hmm. year. So yeah. Yeah. this is this is this is uncharted waters for Nintendo and honestly for a lot of consoles for it to be this robust. So that was very eye opening for me to me and just reaffirmed like okay we we are truly in this place where they have all these plates spinning they can have all of this figured out all this going on because they do have just this great combination of like original games DLC remakes and just other stuff that. They can they can have all three of those hit things hitting on all cylinders at all times. 
Yeah, I think that what they have to their advantage 100% is this deep library of stuff that they can remaster. Um, that is something that is such a great resource for them. And I, I don't know if this is true or not true, but presumably I would think remastering one of these games is going to take less resources. So you do have um, the ability to do to make it feel like new things are coming. Um, there's so many of these beloved you know, franchises and games on systems that people just want to see again. I think Luigi's Mansion is a great example of that. Um, even though it is a port, I think no one is complaining about Luigi, Luigi's Mansion coming to Switch. Um, so the, the sort of the ability for them to capitalize on people's just, you know, excitement for these older ports coming to switch and then using that as a way to help them with their resources is, is really incredible. And a lot of companies don't have that advantage. So you can see them that they're, they're using that to their, you know, using that fully to help them in this transition, which is amazing. It's awesome to see that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so on board with just the, the remake trend in general. It feels like that really started with like, like Sony with the PS4 really started to get into that a lot, even with games like that were not necessarily that old. And I'm just so happy that Nintendo is taking that approach now too, because it's like, well, they have a retro service that presumably you could put all these old games on. They're not doing that. I'll take one or the other. Put them on there or remake it. I'll pay more money. I just want to play the game in, a, in an actual, like, yeah. modern, viable way. On I'm good with whatever system. it is. Exactly. Yes. I think everybody and, has that same mentality. So I think people are very accepting of that fact now, which is a really cool environment, I guess, to be in for these companies because they're like, yeah, we could capitalize on that for sure. Yeah, and, and, and in the case of uh, Mario RPG, which was one of my biggest takeaways from this Direct it's like I, I had actually been itching to play that game. It's not on NSO. I have the Retron system. That's one of the handful of games, and I still have the cartridge that doesn't play on that. So it was like, ugh, it's such a headache to try and be able to play this game in 2023, and that's great. Um, it's it's also just like such an easy business case to make, where it's like, yeah, we have the richest back catalog of any right. company in gaming. Like if you, if we just said like, all right, you know, our top 10% of games, however you want to define the top 10% in you know, popularity sales, whatever, like, yeah, we're just going to focus on remaking those. It's like, do that forever. Do, remake, remake the game yeah. on every system. I just want to have it available. Um, and if it can look great and if it can play, you know, as good as it did, I mean, don't, don't tinker with it too much, but I think this is a really smart approach um, and, and hopefully they stick with it. And it seems like, you know, it's all working out great um, financially for them. It'll never replace entirely a new game, but I think it can get you like 85% of the way there, depending on how long it's been since people first played it. Like you, you never played Mario RPG. You're going to love this game. I know, exactly. And I was thinking, like, especially for Nintendo's audience, like, they have captured so many new players. It's not just you and I who grew up playing Nintendo games back on the NES or the SNES. Like, some people's first Nintendo console might have been the Switch. So 
for sure, there are tons of these remakes, um, games from Nintendo's history that are absolute classics, bangers that a lot of this, a lot of people have never ever played or heard of before. So to them, it's just going to be like a brand new game. So if you think about it that way, like that is such like a smart business decision for them if they're focusing on like sharing their history with their new audience. Like, why not do this with all of their classic? you know, best of the best games, you know? So I want to see more. I want to see it. Yeah. And there is a, a group within Nintendo development that's, that's focused on working with external developers for first party games. So that's where like a Mr. Tanabe falls under who works, you right. know, with different studios. Um, that's where like a Mr. Yamagami works on, you know, Fire Emblem games and and so on. Like that's, that's really such a key group now because not these these games even though they say nintendo on the box like there are so many support teams or external teams yeah. that are actually making these games I'm, I'm never surprised when a fully internal first party game is that high quality but it is a bit of a trick to have these external teams that know like the nintendo standard and the nintendo way mm-hmm. and each of those have you know a nintendo producer or, or a handful of people who are overseeing that like those are the super super valuable people for the company going forward, because that's that's kind of how this is all happening. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we were talking about before as a comparison. You know, Microsoft—they've onboarded so many new studios, but have had a hard time with getting that the level of quality there and getting them used to like what does it mean to be a first-party Microsoft studio and making a first-party Microsoft game. Like Nintendo's got that figured out because they do have their top producers that have grown up within the Nintendo development team that have basically like ingrained themselves into these studios to manage them, to, to make sure that they follow that process to a T and that's how you get these high quality games. Um, there's no other, there's no easy way. It's literally somebody doing the work daily, like managing, micromanaging <laughs> um, all of these people. And yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. That's a great point because I think the Nintendo way is probably the most ethereal and hardest to really nail as a developer. If you don't, if you haven't lived that for decades, like a lot of these devs are like the Microsoft yeah. way. I don't know what the Microsoft way is, honestly. Like they talk about that. And, and, you know, Phil was talking about that in those interviews. Like, I'll be honest though. I don't know what that means. Like the mm-hmm. Nintendo way, we know what that is. And it's a super hard, hard bar to get to. So I'm just, stun- I'm just stunned at, you know, how well they have made this transition, how well it's working out for them. So again, like I'm, I'm glad to admit that. Yeah. I think I was wrong with that initial um, statement. I have, with everybody one, two switch. It's like, yeah, this is an indicator that things are going to be going downward. We're going back up, baby. We're back. We're so back. <laughs> baby, we're back. We're back um, on. I will say that. <laughs> I will say that one thing I did notice in the direction. It's not a, it's not a, a point of negativity at all. I'm just saying this is something that I noticed is there is more like of the quote expanded audience games in mm. this latest direct that I noticed. Um, definitely Mario is going to be Mario RPG. No, because that one is more a more of a core title, I think. But like you know, even the new Mario game, um, Super Mario Wonder, um, I think is very like for 
everyone, for all audiences. Grandma can play it and little Timmy can play it and mom can play. You know, like it's one of those sort of expanded audience games, even though it's like a mainline triple A Nintendo game. But I did notice, you know, they, they of course had the Just Dance. They had that rhythm like pigeon game um, that was very like kind of party game-esque. You know, they had a couple other games in there that I noticed definitely had almost like that Wii feeling to it where it's like anybody can pick up a Switch the Joy-Con Wario and play this game. game. Warrior Wear game. Warrior Wear, yeah, where you're motion-based. Exactly. So I didn't notice that. I wondered if, you know, at the sort of the end of this life cycle, um, it's really about like, let's just try to get you know, as much of an expanded audience as possible before we transition to that next console. So it's pretty, pretty interesting to see that that lineup look, what, yeah. what it looks like. So the one game that was not here that I thought would be there's Metroid Prime. Mm-hmm. What is going on with this game? Metroid Prime 4, to be specific. Well, you know me. I have been harping on my prediction of this is not showing up until the new console is is announced. You think it's coming this holiday still. Do you still well, think well, it's now, coming now this I, holiday? No, no, I don't think that now at all. No, okay. I, th- I think this was the chance. So you think that I'm right is what it is. You I think, think this was the I chance to, to, to do it. Um, <laughs> I could see them doing like a dual skew thing where it's like, oh, it's available on both. Because I think, I think again, yeah. like they do want to get the most out of that on the Switch audience. Um, I mean, mm, clearly they've been yeah. working on it for a long, 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 long time. I think that's, I think that's an approach they could take. And if, but if you do that, you could still talk about it before the new system is announced. You could do it either. Want to, though. You could do it. You could do it either way because you would, you would, you would want to show it with the best possible graphics. So I think the new system is going to get announced and this is going to be the marquee game for it. Not Mario Kart nine. Maybe Mario Kart. I mean, we know that that, as we said before, that um, launch calendar is going to be pretty stacked. Yeah. So I, I, this I mean, is going to be ha- one of the marquee games. I think they will have a lot of marquee games. I don't think this is the game. I don't. I don't think Mario Kart or excuse me, Metroid Prime carries a new console launch in the way that Nintendo wants or needs it to. Um, but I think I could see it being like, yeah, this is in that first year. This is one of the heavy hitters that we have. And it's also on Switch if you want to get that version. Kind of like what they did with Breath of the Wild. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a day one game with a new system, but... um, I think it might be a day one game with the new system. All right. So... I I feel like I I am getting very hopeful as I watch this direct and and I think about the lineup for early next year and how strong, you know, as we're saying, the Switch is still going very strong. They're doing everything they can to keep the interest as high as it possibly can for this. I am getting a good feeling. I will say that the next system is just going to be like the switch, but more powerful. I'm getting, I'm getting less fearful that it's going to be like some zag, you know, some like crazy, Oh, instead of doing the thing that's been working so well, we're going to do some gimmicky. Yeah. Some gimmicky thing. That's, you know, zany. Um, so that makes me feel a lot better. And and if that is the case, if we're just getting like 
HD switch or whatever, you know, um, switch pro or whatever we're calling it. Um, I feel like it's easier for these things to coexist and to transition. And I think you're what you've been saying a lot about, like, maybe there's going to be some sort of deluxe version of some of these games coming to the new hardware. That's an easier transition for them to make. So I'm feeling like pretty good about that future. Um, and that makes me happy. Like it, it, it's, I'm glad I like, I don't want to live in fear that we're going to have like some weird transition to something that we don't want. Um, yeah, so this, I, is, good. this about, is a good thing. You know, the company has got hung up on some transitions, like we to Wii U, like the transition to HD was, was tricky and the development environment we've heard for Wii U was really hard just to make games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've heard that on switch, it's very easy, like, like almost shockingly easy in comparison. So you think about like, well, what would that transition look like if you're a developer? Presumably it should be pretty easy because, you know, you can output these games at whatever, it's it's just a higher resolution of the game that you're already making, unless you really want to go all out on the graphics. So that's great. There's not some new gimmick or trick that you need to learn how to do if it's just like, right. yeah, we've been making, we've been making switch games for almost a decade now. We're good with that. Yeah. We got um, it. Yeah. And yeah. The so function generally the same. And the, the sort of the, the key thing is still, you know, handheld TV mode, like that stuff. I think people would know how to do that. Like with their eyes closed. They're, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I've always thought that that made so much sense because, you know, this generation has been going so well, don't rock the boat. You can get at least one more generation out of this. You have no competitor still yes. with this form factor. Um, right. that, that would be the thing where I would think like, oh, we got to get out of this. People are jumping on this. This is becoming too crowded. It still hasn't happened. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some, you know, obviously there's some little like biting at the toes with um, like the the PlayStation kind of handheld cloud play thing, remote play, whatever it's called. Um it's not really a, a apples to apple comparison or a competitor, I would say, to Switch. But you can see them trying to kind of edge in a little bit on like the play on the go messaging, which is fine. You know, I, I don't think that's going to cause Nintendo to be like, oh, no, we need to do something completely different because of remote play. Like yeah. that's not a that's not going to be a big enough competitor for them. So, right. yeah, exactly. I don't think there is a clear competitor um, obviously, they have they they have and they always will have the power of first party software um, to boost them along. Um, and as long as they, I think they feel like they sort of have like a niche there. Like I don't see some crazy like zany next console. Which again, I think we all we all want that. So um, that's a good that's a good thing. And the indications from those last direct are sort of that that is the tra- tra- trajectory that I see. So um, I think that's all, that's all looking really, really positive. So what do you think in terms of timing as with this transition to get started? Yeah. So let's see the, the announcements from the last directs ca- carried us over to sort of the first three months, first quarter, I guess, of... Um, I think they just said, like, next... They were very vague. Next year. Like, next next yeah. year, but presumably year. early, early next year. early next year, like, within the first, yeah. you know, three months of next year, before the fiscal, 
as we say, um, is probably likely. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're announcing anything until, until like the, you know, March at the, at the earliest of next year. Yeah. The, yeah cl- clearly the message. So the, so the original switch was announced in October, right. um, which was right in the middle of the holiday season. They could do that because the, the Wii U was doing jack squat. So it's like, Oh no, we stepped on our, on our non-existent holiday sales. Big deal. Um, clearly with this lineup, <laughs> they, they want to let that run its no. course. So yeah, we get no They're announcements. Run it. Yeah. We get no announcements this year, but I do think, and, and, and maybe even pretty early in Q1, they could start talking about it. And there were some rumblings of like, oh, they might try and, you know, again, make it a very tight turnaround from announcement to it, to it coming out. I, I could see it coming out in the summer. Again, I think there's a lot of a benefit to have it coming out, not in the holidays to sort of work out the kinks, get your stock yeah. situation better. So that, that was you a good can, learning for Switch. That was great because nobody had really tried it before. Of like, uh, people were always so nervous, like, "Oh, we have to put it out in the holidays; it's going to be a big seller." Well, it's going to sell out no matter what. You could put it out yeah. whenever, and, and what you have day one is going to sell out, and people are going to want it. And that happened to the Wii U; it sold out. So put it out, you know, spring, summer, late summer, whenever. Do that. Build up enough stock for the holidays. So that you can really, again, maximize that opportunity and have some big game for the holidays and you'd be in great shape. That That's sort of how I see it broadly happening. Yeah, I, I don't think that's out of the question. So they usually do a sort of January, February direct um, beginning of the year after the holidays, after the, that whole, whole thing has run its course. Um, potentially that could be like the first early announcement for it or something like that. Um, And then, you know, you would do something bigger a bit later in that, that early part of the year, you know, March, April ish. I don't know. And then you could presumably, presumably have it out in like the summertime frame. The thing that I'm surprised at is there, there have yet to be any leaks on this. And usually, you know, once those dev kits start to get out, which you need yeah. to do for people to make games, usually there's like a Ubisoft or something where some a picture mm-hmm. of something gets out or some detail starts to Where's get out. Where's the trademark documents? Where are um, those? You know, we've seen them <laughs> with previous systems put out just like a one word press release of like, oh, yes, we have just so they could get ahead of something like that. Yeah. If they if they get a feeling that something like that is going to come out. They yeah. might do something like that, like a very abrupt, just like, yes, confirming that we are doing this and this is the code name, like the NX or something like that. Yeah. Um, NZ. But, just kidding. Right. Right. So that that is the one variable that could shift things around, I feel. That's the other reason why I think that this is not going to be that different from Switch is that maybe they're even telling like, you know, developers, like, don't don't worry. You'll, you'll know how to develop on the system. It's just, just up-res it. Well, at some yeah. point, they got to get it. <laughs> I know, but I, I get, kind of feel like they're like, maybe they're biding their time a little All bit right. because they're able to tell people like, hey, this is 
pretty much what you've been doing, just like mm. 1080, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like 4K. Well, that would be know, more whatever, than 1080, whatever. jeez. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 4K, 4K. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, my eyes can't see that anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like that's sort of what we're think, what we're looking at right now in terms of timeline. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think we, we hear peep about this Metroid four, um, until then. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, as as far as how I'm feeling about it, like I'm, I'm, I'm again, like I'm really happy with this lineup. I'm glad to be playing those games. There'll be no shortage of games. And if, if the form factor is what we think, like it'll be nice, it'll, it'll be a good upgrade, but I won't be like counting down the days or just like, like, Oh gosh, another day stuck with this deadbeat switch. What am I going to do? Like, yeah. I'm going to love it till the bitter end. I like my OLED. It works great. It really does. It like, I have no issue at all with this thing. Like, I, I'm very happy with it. As long as there's games for it, I'm happy with it. You know, like, I'm good. So, but that's yeah, just me. Especially, especially when you think about some of the landmines. And I think we'll do an episode where we talk about this more in depth. Like, the transitioned, the console transition landmines mm. that are out there yeah, it's, out it's there. like oh it's nice to not have to worry about that stuff for a little yeah. while longer that's why it's it's it makes me like it gives me like some relief to think like yeah. okay i think it's gonna be okay like all right, the signs right, right. point to it being very not like a, a crazy leap forward more right, so just like right, right. a better of the same which i you know what honestly like that's more than you can help for yeah uh how about we move on yeah yes let's all let's, right let's Next story is uh, something that came out of some of uh, an interview with the Ubisoft CEO, Yves Guimau, talking about uh, the latest Mario and Rabbids game, which did not do well. Um, he talked about how one of the reasons they felt this game did not do well is because they already had a Mario and Rabbids game out and they had gotten some sort of indicators from Nintendo where it's like, yeah, like, if you're doing like a franchise thing, like you can probably just keep it to one per platform. And if you have another game, save it for the next one, because obviously Nintendo has seen that these games can be popular for long periods of time. And you don't have to upset that or clog the market with more games in the same series. I thought this was so interesting because this was never explicitly stated in our time at Nintendo, but it did start to become some, a pattern that we saw where it's like, yeah. you, you know, one and one and done with these big games. And the, ex, the exceptions to that rule did start to become a little strange when they happened. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is interesting to kind of hear someone else kind of overtly, talk about this i guess um yeah i I wonder if that's that's true or not because there have been instances where there have been multiple big games on you know on one console generation that have performed fine so i think it's just it's i i don't know if that is like the the only reason why this game underperformed it could be one of the reasons, but I don't know. I feel like there's been exceptions to this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that is the reason either. I think there may have been other 
bigger reasons. Um, but yeah, like we got, you know, one smash, we got one Mario Kart, um, we got two Zeldas. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one big 3d Mario. Now we'll have one big 2d Mario. We got multiple Mario parties. So yeah, it's, it's not written in stone, but more so than on other platforms that did feel like the way things were headed. So it's, it's just interesting to see uh, Ubisoft kind of indicate like, yeah, Nintendo gave us this advice as, as their yeah. definitive thinking on the situation. So that's why it stood out to me. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, Next and last story is one that just keeps going on. So this this Microsoft FTC case is happening oh now. Boy. It's ongoing. So yes. we're sort of we're sort of talking about what's happened. It's continuing this week. So there's more that's going to come out. Like some of these reporters are like at the courthouse. Yes, listening it's so in crazy. on this. Yeah, people yeah. have taken a stand. Whew. It's like a real legal thing. But every day there's some big new bombshell that comes out. <laughs> and it's interesting with all the people that are there. So it's like Phil Spencer's there. People from Bethesda are there. Yeah. Uh, Jim Ryan's there. People from Nintendo who we know. Steve yes. Singer, who is the head Steve of. Steve Singer is there. Uh, who's the head of third party. He's going to be there. Maybe his testimony will come out this week. Um, On the stand. But let's just go through some of these things. So the one that that kind of got talked about and and honestly joked about the most is like Microsoft admitting that it lost the console wars and even using that name, the console wars in their thing, which was a little bit ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I mean, the way you do these cases is obviously you want to plead whatever case you have. So they're not going to come out and say as they're being like, we're you know, the on, winners. On trial, like, oh yeah, we're doing great. Things are going perfect. Like, yeah, they kind of put themselves in this corner of like, oh, what was us? We had to do this to compete, so and so. Right. So I don't, I don't really take this as them. Like, I don't, I don't think they truly internally feel this way. They're, they are making a case. Yeah, but it's not a, it's not the most bet, most fun case to make. Like, it's not flattering that, for yourself. Yeah, admitting that you're a loser. <laughs> right. <laughs> To, to win a case against the FTC, like, even even though you you know it's for, like, the greater good of you getting what you want, ultimately, it's sort of, like, twisting the knife a little bit, you know? So, yeah, I don't I don't love that for them. <laughs> it doesn't – it probably doesn't feel good if you're Phil Spencer and you have to sit there and, 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 you know, basically admit to losing the console wars. Like, ouch. It's not great. Yeah, I mean, this this has truly become like the deal with the devil where it's like, oh, you want to buy this? Well, you're going to have to do all these awful, awful things for the next like three years to get it to yeah. happen. And now you're so, so deep in it. You have to keep yeah. going, right? right. Either yeah. way, it's costing you billions of dollars. So you might as well see it through. Oh, man. The other thing. So they were talking about how Microsoft was worried that Starfield would become a PlayStation 5 exclusive. And there was actually some reporting on that that was coming out. Um, I was seeing some people reporting on that saying like, oh, this is why they bought Bethesda. That Mm -hmm. that seems a bit extreme to me. But, you know, there are quotes from Phil saying, you know, our, our place with the partners was not necessarily where we wanted it to be. Sony was making some really strong deals. So I think that just became, you know, as they start, as they went on this acquisition bent, their solution 
in a lot of ways to this problem. So like, it's also come out, like there were all these other companies like Sega, Bungie, Niantic, Zynga. These are all companies that got floated. Clearly they had like a shopping list of like, well, how many of these can we get? Let's find out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously the Bethesda one worked out and, and I guess that's one way around this problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A problem or a solution or a problem in the making. We don't know. It's risky. A solution business, that creates though. more problems, maybe. Yeah, it's just yeah. risky because now, again, even with Bethesda and with Starfield, now you have you're just banking on this one thing unknown to work. That's pressure that I wouldn't want. But hey, yeah. Uh, in the Bethesda portion of the of the case, they were talking about how with Elder Scrolls Six, it's probably at least five years away from being released. <laughs> Um, they have not decided or or really been thinking about any of the platforms and it may not even come out on this hardware generation, which makes you wonder why they felt the need to announce it all those years ago at all then. It's like Um, Tears of the Kingdom. It's literally Tears of the Kingdom. It might even be longer than that. Uh, when it's all, when it's all said and done. I mean, I think they said they talked about that five, five or six years ago. So add five more years onto that. 10 years. But that is consistent with what the Microsoft people were saying of like, yeah, these cycles now can be up to 10 years. So, Oh, it just feels so exhausting to think about it in a 10 year cycle. Yeah. That really drills home. Like, yeah, this, this triple a, the direction of triple a development is not very healthy at the moment. Indie games. Indie games are the only yeah. ones keeping this industry save, going. Save us, indie games. Save us. They're so dawn. Save us. And then the last thing uh, from the last week was from the Sony side. And they were sort of laying out like what would happen if the, the deal went through. And they were saying like, yeah, you know, we really couldn't share for the PlayStation, you know, in the future with the PlayStation 6. We wouldn't feel comfortable sharing those dev kits with Activision because that is our internal secret that we would would now be sharing with our direct closest competitor. It actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does make, that's really interesting though, but yeah, it becomes a trade secret. Like your details are now proprietary to you. So you have to make a trade off there. You better have some good first party stuff. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and some people were talking about how there's no native version of um, Minecraft on PS5, which, I mean, obviously at this point, the PS5 has been out for a while, but it's it's kind of a similar situation where it's like, yeah, why why would I give this this precious secret out to my direct competitor? So um, that, that's a pretty sobering and realistic just consequence of this. Yeah. So you just yeah. know from now on you won't see that on a PlayStation console. So, or or not, you know, right away because I mean, eventually they can have it because eventually the hardware will be out. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is just again, this is the gift that keeps on giving for people like us. Um, we'll probably have a lot more to talk about this in, in next week's podcast because yeah, I think it I is think fascinating. I think this week is the last week. And they need to reach some sort of a decision pretty soon or else there's a lot of pre-work on this deal that needs to get redone. So wow. we are we are in the down-to-the-wire mode on this. That's, this is the make-or-break moment, isn't it? It really is. What happens to Microsoft if this doesn't go through? What happens Well, they, ha- they still have to pay some billions of dollars um, as part of the deal with Activision. 
Um, but yeah, it won't be good. Um, I think it'll still go through. I think so too. I, I, think, I, I think so too. Yeah. But it is so true that with everything in life, there is a trade-off and it's never going to be all good or all bad. You just have yeah. to decide what's worth your trade-off. And that's what it is. Yeah. It's the trial Man. of the se- trial of the century. Trial of the century. This is the trial pelican of the brief of our generation, people. <laughs> Whoa. Move over, OJ. <laughs> Oh, that was last century. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> uh, let's get into our Q&A. Each and every question comes from our Patreon community. And we'll also do a special bonus Q&A every week that is exclusive mm. to Patreon. First question this week is from Riven. The Princess Peach game announced in today's Direct looks like it could be really amazing or really awful. But I really hope it's great. What would you like to see in a game starring Princess Peach? What are your greatest, most ambitious hopes? What would you hate to see? What are your worst, most concerning fears? This could be a great opportunity for me to mansplain and tell you exactly what it should be, but I'm not <laughs> going to do that. I'm just going to get out of the way and let you cook. <laughs> you re- resist the urge <laughs> to mansplain. <laughs> so hard. Um, so hard. I know. It's so hard. Um, yeah, I had the same exact thought that Riven had when I saw this in the direct. I was like, oh, 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 that was my reaction. It was like, it could be great. It could be bad, but it has potential. And I think that this is where I, I really hope, and I we did hear Mr. Miyamoto talk a little bit about this when he was doing interviews for the Mario movie, is that like they are rethinking Princess Peach's character based on the Mario movie. Now, what I think would be really great and something that, we've talked about a lot is like, we just want to get to know princess peach more, you know, like we got to get, get a little glimpse of her backstory in the Mario movie. Um, wouldn't it be great if we had a game where she like explored her backstory? Like how does she become, you know, princess toadstool? Like how does she end up as a baby in this kingdom? Um, and then maybe even like we can see more of her character, you know, her personality, um, any of that, I think, would make a great Princess Peach game. Um, obviously, the gameplay part of it, we hope, is also really fun. I, I like. I think they kind of hinted at this is where she can ch- maybe change costumes, and maybe those costumes maybe do a thing with the gameplay. Like in the tra- in the little teaser trailer they they showed, she like stepped on what looked like an amiibo pedestal and then changed her, her outfit. Um, so hopefully, there's like some sort of, you know costume based power power up gameplay something um i tweeted about this but i would love to see her in that toad outfit <laughs> as one of her costumes that would be great um let's get her out of the ball gown for once maybe give her some pants <laughs> that would be nice um but yeah i think if we can just understand princess peach a little bit more in her backstory i think that'd be great it did look like a bit of a more slow paced game. Like it didn't look like a real like actiony platformer or anything like that. Like the, honestly the vibe that I got from this very short clip they, they showed was um, Bayonetta origins, mm. which, which could be an interesting approach. Yeah. Um, I, I only played the demo for that, but it, it did feel like a, like a real combination of like action and adventure. Yes, and that was also a story where you were learning about Bayonetta's backstory. So right. what a great way to show us Princess Peach's backstory, because I would yeah. love to learn about that. 
Next story is a combo. Our next um, question is a combo from Ninja Eleven and Tuscoob. Start with Ninja Eleven. Is there any drama when Nintendo drops a game on Switch the same day as a third party of a similar genre? Sparks of Hope released a day before the Switch port of Persona 5 Royal, and it was just announced that the Mario RPG will be released the same day as Persona 5 Tactics. I'm not sure how much the target demographics overlap. They overlap for me. But I feel like if I was Atlas, I'd be a bit annoyed. However, I feel like they can't bite the hand that feeds because Smash really put a spotlight on the Persona series, yet I feel like someone might be annoyed. And Tuscoop adds... Adding on to that with the fact that Spider-Man 2 and Super Mario Bros. Wonder are coming out on the same day, I'd be curious to hear thoughts about that pair in particular. That is a pretty uh, crazy pair. That's That's a a bummer. bummer. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, Nintendo does not care (laughs) about when other people are releasing games. Sometimes they don't even care when they have their own game releasing on the same day, there is the uh, iconic dual release of what? What was it? Mario. Mario 3D World World, and A Link Between Worlds. Link Between Worlds. Yes. Can you believe that, you guys? They did not care that two hot properties, Mario and Zelda, were releasing on the same day. So that was, that's, that's how they feel about release dates. Release dates continue to be not an exact science for anybody. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of just like, you know, you Guessing. pick the date way in advance and like under no circumstances will we change it. I feel like people could be a lot more savvy with this stuff of yeah. getting ahead of competitors, getting away from big competitors. But it's just mm-hmm. like a lot of like, no, this is the line in the sand and we're sticking to it no matter what. Yeah. I so, don't know why it's such a like a written in stone kind of thing because – it's fine if you want to yeah. make it a different day. Because I think there are a lot of cases where like your game would sell better if you had a different date. Yeah. Um, I mean, N- Nintendo also like doesn't know. I don't think they know third-party release dates until they get announced. Right. Like, that That's kind of a church and state kind of thing where they right, do need right, to have totally. that you know, respect yeah. for the third There is party. no like ministry of release dates that everybody puts in their release date right. and someone is like... Don't Nintendo just yeah, be aware that Spider-Man Nintendo's is not giving no anybody ministry. advice. They're not giving advice. And Atlas no one else advice. is giving Nintendo advice either. So. <laughs> yeah, they, they can't help themselves either. It's just a big <laughs> mess. But but yeah, when I had the realization about Spider-Man and Mario, I was like, oh, no. oh the, the deep, the deep just pain I felt. The deep sigh, the Man. deep soul-crushing sigh. It just there sticks. was one. I will say one time we convinced Nintendo to move a release date was when they were going to release Star Fox on 9-11. Oh my gosh. That was dire. We, there was, we went to, we went to bat for that one. Big yikes. Even so it was, it was like a, it was a, it was a fight. Paul Gale Network's next. Hey Kit and Krista, what other animals do you hope Mario and company turn into in Super <laughs> Mario Brothers Wonder? Also note how Mario did not wear an elephant suit. He became one. Thanks, and what a fun-looking game. That was one thing that I noticed, too. It's not like the Tanuki suit right. or whatever. Um, he just turned into an elephant and looked ridiculous. What other I don't know. <laughs> God. Um, I will continue to put out that a shark could be a great option. I mean, those <laughs> listen, those water levels 
Water levels. Are never as fun as the on-land levels. That could give you mobility. Like the frog suit in Mario 3 is great because you just get around. Oh, the frog suit. You, you've got biting, so you have a cool mechanic mm-hmm. already built in. There you go. Easy answer. Oh. Shark Mario. Let's do it. Some sort of flying would be cool. Like an eagle, condor, oh. vulture. Vulture is oh. too scary and weird. No, that's um, but Yeah, that's too gross. But like something eagle. That's very noble. Okay. Um, because then, yeah, to your point about mobility, mobility, maybe there's like a air level or, a, you know, some sort of level where you're up in the clouds. Um, having him be able to fly would be super, super cool. I would love to do that. The elephant does look weird. <laughs> and, the, and the freeze frames of Mario becoming the elephant are horrific, but... It's an abomination. The I elephant say. does... Ha- again, if you talk about it, just from gameplay, you got the trunk that can like swing, that it can shoot water. It's yep. big and heavy. It's they big can do and some heavy. sort of smashing. Yep. So yep. I'm, you can I'm, do it like a, some sort of enhanced like butt stomp with exactly. elephant butt. I'm holding out on the elephant. The elephant butt. Yes. That's what we need. Silvergrass Moon is next. Hi, Kit and Krista. When you were at Nintendo, what was your favorite media outlet to work with, and how did they earn that distinction? Thanks, and hope you're having a great summer. Hmm. Let's see. Or were they I all was like, Well, I always liked... <laughs> <laughs> what? I've always liked working with Andre. Um, yes. Game, Game Explain yeah. was a, a really great outlet to work with. IGN has, is always good. You know, we were working very closely on video stuff with like Brian Altano and Kat. Um, yeah. What else? With IGN, um, it, it, it did help that they had people who were dedicated to Nintendo. Yeah. So they were really knowledgeable, really focused on that. Um, but also just like extremely on top of things, extremely like you, ne- so you would never have to worry about like, IGN breaking an embargo or not knowing the details yeah. or doing something dumb yeah. like that. Yeah. Never had to worry about that. Game Informer too is like is like an IGN where they were like yeah. just very professional, very trustworthy. Right. Very good. We always liked um everyone has to go through the rite of passage where you go to Minneapolis on an IGN press trip. And it's like, yeah, you gotta do it one at least one time. All of us have done it one time. And it's always fun to like go down to their office, you know, and like do the thing. Um, so yeah, all of, all of those sort of interactions were really great and we still are, you know, good friends and and, in contact with those people, um, that work at those media outlets. That's, that's been great to maintain our, um, good relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah. IGN would have been my pick as well. Uh, Tuscube's next. Hi, Kit and Krista. It seems that now the well of potential Wii U ports has run dry, Zelda excluded, that Nintendo could be turning to the idea of upscale 3DS games with Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon as an example. Thus, I ask, what 3DS games do you think would best suit having a Switch port, and which would you want most? Thank you for your time. Tamodachi Life. Oh. Say here and say okay. it again. Tamodachi Life. Where is it? That was not on my this- list. I want the smaller, like, niche kind of um, yeah. 3DS games. Like, Tomodachi Life Rhythm Heaven is another one that we always talk about. Um, I know Fantasy Life is coming, so I won't keep harping on that, but that's another but do you one. Want those speci- do you want those specific games, or do you just want any, any to- like, a new Tomodachi Life? Well, if they're not making a new Tomodachi Life, just give me the port. I'm good with that. All right, all right. 
Um, Don't bother then if you're not going to make one, you know? Kid Icarus has to be mentioned here. Oh my gosh, Kid Icarus. Needs, it needs a new audience and it needs a new control scheme badly. New control scheme. <laughs> but that game would, that, I mean, that that is the poster child for this question. That is the other, such the a The other idea. one that I really thought was going to happen early on, mm. but never did, and I was so surprised at, was um, Metroid Samus Returns. Because oh, yeah. that was, that was a, a late a very late 3DS release where I feel like a lot of people had moved on. It could have very easily been, you know, ported over to the, Mm -hmm. uh, there were, there was no like touchscreen stuff. There was no like 3DS specific stuff. It would have been, and it could have been such a great lead in to Metroid dread of like, Oh yeah, here's here's this 2d game. We're we're just adding to the legions of, of 2d Metroid on the switch. I'm still surprised that that didn't happen. I was sure it was going to happen. And it didn't. You were shocked and appalled. I was. What a what a bad move to not do what that. Come on, bummer. <laughs> some of those, <laughs> some of those Mario and Luigi games too. I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I really, I'm, I am happy because I never played um, Mario RPG before. But I was a little disappointed because I really wanted a Mario and Luigi RPG. Oh, I think you'll love this. I think you'll love this game. Really? Okay. I think you will. Yeah. Okay. You can be. You can get on the Gino gang. You know Gino. Gino for Smash. Gino for Smash. Gino for Smash. Well, now you'll know Gino, Gino for reals. <laughs> for reals. <laughs> you might okay. be. You might be more of a Mallow person, to be honest. Though I think you'll be more. Of a oh, Mallow. okay. Yeah. yeah. All Last right. Question. Well, I will see. Last Go question on. is from Zeroid. Hey, Kit and Krista. I have a question regarding what you think Nintendo's plan is for introducing their next console. I think many people rightly believe they will not reveal it in a direct because Nintendo basically never talks about hardware in directs. So I assume there will be a live event, but they probably can't just announce a live event without telling people what it's for because everyone will be able to guess the topic anyway. Why else would they have a live event? So what exactly do you think their strategy will be? We're going back to the Switch 2 topic here. Okay. I do think they might make a mention of it in a direct and say, like, more info to come or something like that. Or they could just drop, like, a standalone announcement for it, like a standalone trailer or something like that, yeah. which they've done, which is what yeah, they did I think, with Switch. I agree. I think they do exactly what they did with Switch because that works super well. Um, you know, you can make a couple-minute video that very clearly shows off all the use cases, all the mm-hmm. games, Um all the implementations in a really tight package and gets, gets things started. And obviously later on you have more opportunities to go deeper on all of those things. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I I don't think they have a reason to go away from that. And I I don't think a live event would actually work that well, unless they're planning to talk about it in in a lot of detail and depth. So or planning to let people touch it. Yeah. Right. Right away. Let them, let them play it right away. So they might just, yeah, they might just announce it in a trailer with all the info. And then, like, when it's closer to launch, they might do that preview event right. that we did in New York for Switch. Mm-hmm. People will get to go and they'll get to get hands on and play the games and they'll do a, a big setup for that. Yeah. And, and that'll be that. Right. And those are our questions. All right. Another beautiful episode, but we cannot forget our wonderful superstars so let's shout them out right now let's go aaron hash ben eichhorn maru mayhem 
Eigenverse. Kiss my flapjack. Mike Chin. Mr. Rogers. Roy Eschke. Switching it up. Underscore. Safazon. The shark among men. VGM Life. Link, the hero of winds. Angela Bycroft. Turbocharged nerd. Thomas O'Rourke. Kyle LaBeouf. Christopher Lara. Simon. Frederick Ulf Conradson. And Andrew Uhas. I'm now I'm now in the underscore gang thanks to Discord's new uh, oh. naming thing. I saw that. That was my big solution to that. Underscore. Underscore. That's me now. <laughs> That's you me. didn't do it though. I can't believe it. I don't have to. My name was fine. Your name's too weird. All right, time to shout out our One Up Club subscribers as well. A Rob Burgundy. Adam and Ansley. Ajan Malari. Ale Alejandra. Alexandra Pratt. Astrodev. Bad Moon Horizon. Benji B. Bookum Dano. Brad SF56. Brooke Obscura. Brookie Kazooie. Bruce Dash. Chelly Squirrel. Christopher Lay. Cozy Tar. Captain Alex. Sea Roper 17. Daniel Cold. Daniel Phillips. Dachshund. Dadash. Dolce. Dino Punch. Elite Peach. Elix 780. Esparts 50. Fart Priest 69. Furbound. Fernie and Jess Forever. Fox Deploy. Fred Rossi. Garrett Holfish. Garth the Wolf. Gartooth. G-Sun 101. Ian Shea. Iris Marin. Israel Izzy. Jay Rando. Jabroni Jones. JBJ. Jeffrey Hernandez. Jerry 92602. Jesse Hernandez. John Responte. Jonathan Rowe. Jordan Collette. Jordan Hemerly. Joseph DeHayes. Joshua Clements. Juji Fruit. Just Camtro. Justin Leminger. Cairo Trigger. Kawa 2796. Keith Kwan. Kelp Shake. Kevin Delane. Kilo Kibo. Chris Yu. Christopia Party With Me. Kyle Gamer Barry Rookie. Kyle Kretzer. Kyler Nelson. Linnell Stickman. Lennis Sullivan. Lit. Mad Dog 5981. Marky Man 64. Matt Pangey. Mecha Dragon 101. Megan. Michael Cravens. Mikey. Motomania. Mr. Andy Pong. Mr. Beans and Dip. MSN Poke Gamer. My Tram. Nasir. Nathan Burkhardt. Nick E. Ninja 11. Panda Buns. Paul C. Pace. Paul Gale Network. Prime Factor. Prince Charmless. Reaver. Rain Tech. Renee Rivers. Rick Alvarado. Ryeth One. RJ Kern. Rob Osborne. Rocks. Rianetta. Sam Neeland. Sharif Jackson. Shinryu. Slowbro. Shrews. Silly Ferret. SJ Sharky 777. Spicy Munchkin. Steel Citrone. 
Tales of Link. Tefu. Terra Storm. Thomas Alvarez. Topher Schmofer. Travis Torline. Troopage. Tugs Puppy Bear. Tuscoob. Tyler Geis. Vesves. Video Game Stupid. Virtual Bot. Weep Kingdom. Wicked Davy. Will Ernst. Will Johnson. Zudiverf. Zelgaroth. Zapani. And Zroid. 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 Well, I think that your prison yard time is almost over, so we better wrap up, wrap up this podcast. The light is coming out now. The lighting is oh, the much light. better than when we started. Oh, the lighting is going down here, where it's getting oh. later in the, oh, the, day, well, the days of the nights. The days we got of the one nights. sun, and we're in two different places. And one moon. We're, we're apart in the universe. Exciting times. Um, okay. I may have lost you. Oh, there we go. Now we're back. Now we're back. It's okay. This is what it is when you record a podcast, when you're worlds away from each other. That's right. All right. Well, don't forget to subscribe to us at patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. You are keeping all of this going. So thank you so much. Um, And yeah, what have you got to say? If you're watching this on video, you can go ahead and subscribe to the Kit and Krista channel on YouTube. Give this podcast a thumbs up and leave us a comment. And if you are listening on audio, you can also subscribe. Give us a five-star rating and a written review, please. Please. Don't forget to follow us on the socials. We are Kit and Krista on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. I finally have the social credentials. Not for long. It's so temporarily, fun. <laughs> temporarily, oh, really? yeah. Really? I'll be changing. Those pa- I'll be changing those passwords as soon as I get back. You like cha- are changing the locks. <laughs> but you just gave me a key. Uh, again, this is not a for troubled long. relationship. It's <laughs> troubled. All right, friends, we have to let Kit go get some breakfast, and I need to go to bed. So we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.